Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Critical Twits Gaming Podcast, where today we will be asking, what the fuck, Games Workshop? Yes, welcome to episode 36 of the Critical Twits Gaming Podcast, WTFGW. Um, acronyms. Lovely <laughs> acronyms. It's the internet age, everything's an acronym now. What does that stand for? A crazy reduction of the noises you make, an acronym. Where's the there you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. A crazy reduction of noises you make, Yeah. acronym. Yes, so today we are going to be discussing the behemoth that is the wargaming company Games Workshop. Indeed. Um, yeah, it, the, what used to be this giant lumbering titan of a company that now seems to have a bit of a limp. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean it's it's been odd because we do a gaming podcast we talk about tabletop games uh which obviously they do we talk about miniatures that yep. they do we yep. talk about role-playing games that they do we talk about video games that, that they do yet we haven't touched on games workshop up until now no and that is not through um ignorance ignorance no not at all in fact i would say we have what's the opposite of ignorance Tentativeness? No. Um, well, it's not the opposite, the opposite of ignorance. ignorance is knowledge, wisdom. Wisdom is the opposite. And I think that. I, I think that's. It, we've been wise in avoiding it. Um, um, we are awash in Games Workshop paint. wisdom. Just, Have we introduced ourselves today? <laughs> no, not at all. Cool. Cool. Right. Um, well, I'm, I'm Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh, we did it in a different order. Now my brain hurts. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm Brian. And I'm Aaron. We all know quite a lot about Games Workshop, and we're going to explain our sort of history with it what, what we were looking at I suppose my reasons for wanting to do this I kind of wanted my enthusiasm rekindled I'm now old um, officially I was hoping to go into Games Workshop today mm. after a long absence and have my enthusiasm for their worlds their products their models their games in some way reignited. Yeah. We used to we met through Games Workshop. Yeah, I um, think that'd be a good place to start. We're gonna look at first of all sort of their the way they do business now compared to how they used to, the mm -hmm. way things have changed regarding what they do. Yeah. And then we're gonna talk specifically about what they do at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, starting with that, I know Joe through uh, Games Workshop. If it yes. wasn't for Games Workshop, I wouldn't know Joe. I know Colin through Games Workshop. Yeah, yeah. Do you know Colin through Games Workshop, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Um, James and, and Rob. James and Rob, friends of podcast, who have uh, joined us on several occasions and have gamed with us on many, many more. We just mm. uh, we don't record everything we do. Girls, Madness. Girls got to have some privacy. Um, <laughs> As to the geeks. Yes. <laughs> I know most of my adult friends from my time playing Games Workshop, actually. Yeah. So much so, when I was 18, I got a job working in Games Workshop. I stayed there for seven and a half years. Rising, rising like so much spoiled cream uh, to the prestigious 
rank of store manager or squad leader, as it was known. <laughs> yes, because they had a really weird culture where everything was named after stuff in the game. Are games. you sure yes. it was culture and not cult? Um, no, there was more yogurt, less praying. Okay. <laughs> the yogurt puns. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> that was bacteriological. I'm now ooh, several years older than that, so it's been over half a decade since I left. I haven't really played any of their games. I've mm. bought stuff which I've then sold on <laughs> to other people uh, when the rush of enthusiasm has died. Yeah. Up until very recently, I had been going to Workshop 3 for about two years. Yeah. Joe, what about yourself? I have never worked for them. I've always been a fairly, I was going to say fairly avid hobbyist, but that's a lie. Um, <laughs> I've always been really keen on playing competitive games, and yes. it was a nice outlet for that because I'm quite good at tabletop strategy and stuff. Yeah, like, well, yeah we met through that. I... Remembers, uh, we met before you were employed. Yeah, you, just you were about. stood in front of the Eldar stuff I was trying to look at at the time. Yes, and now tell everyone at home the story <laughs> of how we met. Okay, um, I wanted to look at. I think I was trying to. I might have. I think I was trying to find Morgan um, Morgan Ra, and um, you were stood there with your girlfriend at the time, discussing how. If you rubbed them long enough, you men could make their nipples lactate. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the first time Aaron has heard this story. No, I just and really this... like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is genuinely my first ever impression of Brian, and we have been friends since. Yeah, um, there was through some... many lactations. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about that story that obviously appealed to Joe, um, and it is uh, scientifically backed up knowledge. If you look this up on the internet, first of all. Uh, I think it's Control-Shift-P opens up private browsing. Uh, but then if you, you were to research the lactating of men's nipples, um, yes, um, it is something that can happen. So, yeah, uh, I've, I've been playing the game or have been playing the game for years. I think I'm, God, a fair few years free of it now. Yeah. Until the fateful day when the twits dragged me into a shop. Yeah, I've not even used their paints or anything recently. Mm, so. Cool. I found other more interesting games, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And Aaron, what's your Games Workshop junkies log? <laughs> well, it's been probably about 10 years since I last properly touched anything at Games Workshop, mm. apart from the occasional fondling of a Space Marine now and then when I've missed the models. Mm, Ken parts. <laughs> <laughs> One of the but, few Games Workshop models not to wear some kind of weird flappy loincloth to avoid yeah. them having to sculpt Unless, unless they were Dark Angels. Yeah. And then they all wear dresses. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I started off with uh, Warhammer Quest more than yeah. anything else. Because uh, it was a nice game for my dad to play with me and my sister. Yeah. Uh, sort of light role play type thing. Yeah, how old were you playing Warhammer uh, Quest? I must have been nine, ten maybe. Because mm. you're almost exactly the same age as me. Yeah. Did, did you have a first game? What was your first Games Workshop game, Brian? My first Games Workshop game was... 40k second edition so oh. Warhammer 40,000 for the uninitiated uh, well done for getting this far in <laughs> um, alongside the Dark Millennium expansion which came with four trees worth of cardboard uh, with all the uh, psychic powers vortex grenades oh, and yeah. data cards for vehicles that you could shake a stick at blow a potato towards and gently rotate a sparrow nearby Shake a stick at's a really weird phrase. I've only just twigged. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, wasn't, that genuinely wasn't that it's an interesting branch of conversation, Brian. <laughs> oh. um, 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Forty k. Um. Swiftly followed by Necromunda, which okay. I played a bit at the yeah. time. I got into it just after they stopped selling Warhammer Quest. Um. I managed to play a couple of games of it with um, a friend of mine when I was about ten, eleven, and it was been like my big Grail game. Like that game that you yeah. always wanted to pick back up or yeah, find, yeah. but was, has been ridiculous yeah. in cost as opposed to demeanour um, <laughs> for a long, long time. Um, and we'll talk about my reaction to the new Warhammer Quest in a bit. Yeah, yeah I mean, my my first game um, was different, actually. It was Space Crusade. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was my Holy Grail gaming, actually. Yeah, no, while. I yeah. had a copy of Space Crusade that no one would play with me. Was it Space Crusade where they had the missile launcher that looked like some kind of pitted testicle thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you could take the weapons off and clip them on depending what you would... Because everyone was stood in a position that no one else can see. Um, <laughs> your standard Space Marine pose, you should all know what I mean. Um, and the, they had pegs that you could pull the guns in and yeah, clip yeah, them on. Yeah. Um, and the weird dreadnought that looked like it came out of the Robocop film. Yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I had that initially, the, the birthplace of the Necrons, I believe. Mm. It was, mm. That was the first place you ever saw a Necron. And how old were you at the time, oh, Joe? God, um, probably seven or eight. Me thinking back now to sort of being the age I was then, it was over 20 years ago, just. Yeah. Apart from a two-year gap between the ages of 15 and 17, where I discovered um, goth women and angry music... Although I did change to angry women and goth music for a bit in there and then swap back. I then was a, a hobbyist, as they Games Workshop terms its customers, for about 16 years. Mm. So we're talking about, between the three of us, a lot of association with... Long, longer than yeah, most yeah. drug addictions. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Statistically longer than most marriages these days yes, as well. Um, and it <laughs> felt harder to break. Than both a drug addiction and a marriage. Between us, we've all had a ridiculous amount of exposure to the hobby. Yes. Um, a lot of mine was going into the local store, mm. playing games, looking at new models, talking to people about armies. You know, mm. it was a, it was a big social thing for fairly socially inept geek. Yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah. It was very much a hobby centre. Yes. Uh, it was. It was. Yes. It was a place you went to talk about, to experience, to play, to whatever your hobby. Yeah. I mean, the interesting as well um, to note is that for was Peterborough was your shop yeah. choice as well, wasn't yeah. it? So we're talking about the exact same store that's been in the exact same place for all of this time. Yes, yes. yes. But it's the mm. store itself has changed dramatically from what I remember. Yes, yeah. actually, yeah. As has Games Workshop, the company. Pretty yes, much so. um, I, I feel one reflects the other. Yes, yeah, and I think it's quite. Quite an interesting time to be looking at Games Workshop. They have recently massively, massively revamped their... I would say their signature line. Most people know Games Workshop from, through Warhammer to the point where people would ask when you were a kid, what do you do? And you wouldn't say, I collect Games Workshop. You'd say, I collect Warhammer or I play yes. Warhammer. But, I mean, it, it got its start from what people wanting to use fantasy miniatures that yeah. Games Workshop were importing and making themselves um, in battles. And so Fantasy Battle was the first yep. thing, then later abbreviated to just Warhammer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now Warhammer Age of Sigmar, and they've kind of scrubbed the timeline. We're going to get into Age of Sigmar in more detail in a yeah. bit, but just yeah. to give people a bit but of context. Not scrubbed the timeline. 
No, but they've no. moved it into a new setting. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. They've, they've done a reboot, explain. essentially. Yes, they've done a, and it's to me, it's it seems um, quite a drastic reboot. Yes. yes. And it has been well received by some, and very mm-hmm. poorly received by Many. others. But I'm always intrigued as to the difference between the silent ma- majority and the whinging minority and yeah. where where people really sit. What's also been really interesting is in terms of sort of tying other media rather than just the tabletop games that they produce and sell in their stores, such as the video games and that kind of thing, mm. as opposed to just what they sell in the stores. The last two years have seen a massive explosion in games workshop related intellectual property being used for other things yes there are fantasy flight now make all sorts of board games yep. and collectible card games and there have been anyone know how many gw related games games workshop related games video games i'm thinking specifically here have been released in the last two right. years just two years two now, years worth yes, of games because in the last two years they're rights have changed what they did before was sell it to mm. a company and sell all their rights to that where now they're selling little bits of it to bit mm. loads of companies I'm actually going to say around the range for about 25 to 30 I don't think it's that high but I think that we might be the a mobile games and stuff in this. yes yeah. okay um, this is the product of two minutes research on the internet mm. so numbers I, may vary slightly I would say between 10 and 20 myself if you include what's coming out later this year you're bang on 20. What's come out already? 16. And I, I think this is this is indicative of what seems to me be, to be a lack of joined up thinking in the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where we're, I think we're going to start to sort of turn slightly. Warhammer no longer takes place in the old world. No. With its 30 plus years of background of history, uh, of its fairly recognisable creatures and monsters and races. They're still I, there to a certain extent. They, they are a bit. I also think claiming 30 plus years of background and history is a little bit stretched. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's been going for 30 years. They didn't do it. But honestly, there have been one or two big events that even then didn't really change the landscape of the world. No, no, it doesn't move on. It doesn't go, oh, we've got 30 years and that means 300 years have passed. Mm. But what they do is they build outwards. So you start with the old world where the people live and then they add on... um, the Tomb Kings, they add on the Skaven who live underneath, they add on the Chaos Marauders from the north, they add on the Tale of the Elves and the two different warring elf factions. So they build build it broad. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily deep, there's not a lot of 400 years worth of gamer played conflict in there, but it's a huge world with a lot of detail to it. When you go, oh, there's 30 years of stuff. I you expect in there. I expect change. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's no. from other games or mm. like directly con- now. Maybe mm, like directly contrast. I always look towards uh, War Machine. Yeah, yeah. Because they have every time a book releases, the story progresses. People die. Oh, stuff right. occurs. Cities change hands. You yeah. Know? To, to me, that's progressive story, and it's one of the things that felt really stale about. Yeah. Games Workshop IPs in general. Yeah. yeah, they stayed the same. They didn't develop so that the character that you bought is the character you bought and he yeah. doesn't die, then you can't use him anymore. For Tycho instance. died. Yeah, no one still, cared. Yeah, yeah. You can still use But him. to the point where we went in the store today and we, I'll use Warmer 40k as the example one for this, mm-hmm. that felt exactly the same as when I left it. 
I, I, I don't feel I any different. Did, there were a lot more big models. <laughs> that was, yeah, that yeah, was about that's, it. But yeah, I, I, I specifically said, you know, what, what, what's changed? What's new? Because last yeah. time there was this big crusade and and again they got really close to getting to the place they wanted to and then everyone kind of just went home and, <laughs> yeah. and, and they went oh we've done lots of heresy stuff we went into the past yeah like that. their IPs seem to, to sit as so they build them outwards they add more stuff mm. to it they bring more stuff into the perimeter but yeah. things don't develop um, the only thing I can remember them doing that really changed the landscape of Warhammer 40,000 is, and this is a long time ago now, they took the squats out and people lost their minds. Oh, they did. They, I mean, they also they introduced the Tau and kind of went, oh, this bit of the map's yeah. got some people. Yeah, this yeah. is where they're building but outwards. It, yeah, again, that's outwards. And the, I think the thing that, if they just sat there and went, yeah, we're building outwards and we're adding stuff and just tough shit. Yeah. Do you know what? That wouldn't bother me. But what they do, and, I th- and this is key for me, is they advertise and they build up and they make these massive like summer campaigns. They used to do every other year. They mm-hmm. rotate between systems, and the summer, you know, the thirteenth Black Crusade was pegged as this massive world, universe-changing event, and fuck all changed. Yeah, yes. it finished, and Abaddon went home. Now. What they did with Warhammer, yep. as Aaron will explain, is yes. actually do what you wanted and change things. Yes, they set up the the apocalypse over a course of four campaigns, I think they explained it yeah. to me. That was all four books. Where essentially, um, over the course of these campaigns, the old gods became resurrected and came into power a bit and destroyed the entire world. Cool. Kind of. What they basically... Well, no, not kind of. They have destroyed the world... Magic doesn't have the hold on the world anymore. It can't form it into a shape. And so now there are nine planes in existence. One of which is Sigmar's, which is what's the age of Sigmar, because he's the one who first reawoken as this thing, resurrected these Stormbringers, who are the souls of some of the people that should have been going to Nagash and things like that, um, to resurrect an army, to be able to try and help the plight of the Order to bring things back. And then yeah. each of the other planes, I've got different allegiances and different remnants of the species left on them. Okay. Which is quite interesting. The world has changed completely in that. Yeah. And what they're yeah. doing with the summer campaigns in this is they're having one of these planes essentially go against another or some cities. I can't quite remember the details. Is this where I did overhear them talking about currently it's the plane of life and the plane of death that are fighting? Yes. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, and depending on which... Essentially, there's order and there's chaos as two factions. Yep. With uh, death and destruction kind of as neutral factions on either side. Um, so, any species within yeah. order can be used within itself and yeah. can actually call people from death and destruction to help because that's part of order as well. Yeah. And the same with chaos. Um, depending okay. on which faction wins in these campaign systems they're running over the summer depends on how the campaign books they're writing currently are going to alter yeah. for this one and the next one. They are actually altering the world depending on how the outcome of these campaign goes. So they have taken some of that stuff on board. Given that the end times was such a big change for their their world, yeah. mm-hmm. I'd be willing to take them at their word that they will include some kind of consequence. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, it's just that's promises they have 
made and failed on before. The outcome of these games, the outcome of this will change what happens, but nothing did. Now, don't get me wrong, that was was different. The Eye of... Was it the Eye of... No, it wasn't the Eye of Terror. There was um, Storm of Chaos or something was one of the big campaigns, I think. No, there was an Eye of Terror-based campaign. Wasn't that 40k, the Eye of Terror? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, they they had this big campaign, and again, like at the end of it, like um, Grimgore Ironhide walked up to Archeon and just bopped him over the head and knocked him out, and then walked off, and oh. and again, nothing happened, and there yeah. was this big thing of going, all your games matter, everything will change, what happens, and yeah. again, nothing did. So, I I love the optimism, yeah, but I would very much struggle to hmm. believe that they've not just gone, yeah, it will matter, and actually, they're not potentially, they're, but because it's such a new system. They can take that risk a bit easier now, yes. rather than upsetting balances and things like that. Yeah. Now this sounds lovely. This whole new world. Aaron's quite keen and it, yeah, interested like, yeah. in the idea of these different planes of existence. Yeah. It's slightly different. It's a bit unusual, yeah. rather than a world that looks a bit like our world with the map turned upside down. Yeah. Which is what it really Middle was. Middle Earth. Um, <laughs> essentially, um, you know, it's got this potential. But what they've done at the same time is, and this, this I find highly odd is this they, they've unleashed all this additional IP so there's there's approaching nearly sort of 9-10 games set in the Warhammer world mm-hmm. uh, including something that people have wanted for years I know sort of talking to gamers and hobbyists Warhammer Total War yes I would expect that game but mm. I assume it's selling like oh, yeah, it's, cakes yeah. in a it's cold cakeless, cakeless barren wasteland yes. yeah. for me Seeing that, seeing Vermintide, which I didn't actually get round to playing, but looked quite interesting. It was. I had a quick game on a free play. weekend. It was very, very good. They've done a Mordheim-based video game based on the old skirmish game Mordheim, which I bought when I was 15 and absolutely loved. Yeah, um, I'm still quite interested to actually try this at some yeah. point. This kind of this rush of IP has made me interested in Games Workshop again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in Warhammer 40,000 because it's the same. Yeah. But they're really pushing. They've got some big games coming out Uh soon. So you go into your shop. You've just played Warhammer Total War. You've gone, I really like my Empire Army. Mm -hmm. I want to make my Empire Army. I want to paint it. I want to get back into Games Workshop. Or I'm 12. I've played this computer game. Let's go see what these miniatures and whatnot that it's based on is all about. And you are told that none of that really exists, but it kind of does, but it doesn't. It's a bit different yeah. on a different world, but it's the same. But it's okay, but no. Yeah, yeah. some of the army stuff does still exist. Some of it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. This is an issue with how they've they've split the stuff down the middle. Yeah. In essence, yeah. they seem to have gone down. Right, this is our video game. Well, it's not even their video game department. They don't have that. And this is what we're doing in the store. What they've done is the thing they had with the video games in the past, which was there to sell the games and bring you into the shop and things, was great. But the companies they sold it to had, in essence, monopolies over those IPs. Not all the games they produced were that great over those IPs. I believe, because I used to care about this shit... um, that a lot of it was actually because Games Workshop were very strict about what they could and couldn't do. Yes. Games Workshop used to sell the license exclusively to one place. Yeah. And now, but then they'd also say, but you must do this, this and this within that. strict terms. Yeah. Now yeah. they're sliced they used to, now they're slicing off or keeping things very open. Yeah. Now you've got companies like Creative Assembly who brought out Warhammer Total War, who 
have probably about the same age as we are, maybe a little bit older, and have gone, oh, I love this IP, we've got it now, we're going to create something that I remember from my childhood, it'd be great. And yeah. there's been loads of little companies, smaller companies have done the same thing. Yeah, and they've but, allowed them to take yeah, bits, rather because than keeping it just with, say, THQ, yeah. who had the exclusive 40k license. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they've taken their hands off a little. Why not make this... Age of Sigma, though. Why why go, yeah, yeah, use the old stuff. Why not try and tie this into... Because people would still buy Warhammer Total War if it was Age of Sigma. I don't think as many... I don't think people would go, oh, I'm not buying it because it's this new thing. I, I mean, it wouldn't affect me because it's a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll that might actually then be a really good way of introducing people to the new... What? Yes. World... It's Worlds. because of that. Ha- yeah, it's because they've taken their hands off in essence. Because yeah. having their hands on didn't work too well last time. So what they've gone is a very hands off approach, and I hope so that'll do something. And it has worked, but not for the shop. No, that's it. It's, it's worked for that side of things. It's not worked yeah. for the other. Which, oh, which is a shame. Is it just a case you think they're just gaming for the money? They go right for this amount of money or this percentage. You do what you like with it. Yes. Yeah. So it's just a, yeah. a revenue thing, and they're, they're oh, yeah, keeping yeah. it very separate. Whereas before, maybe there was an attempt to sort of tie and use one to tr- attract to the other, and vice yeah. versa, and try and cross fertilize your audiences. Oh god, I yeah. sound like a business wanker. You but do, that's but exactly I what think, yeah, that's it. I think that's yeah. exactly the route they were uh, going. And I think nowadays, yeah, you're right. It, it's it's ways of them increasing revenue because yeah. they've had massive hits recently. Yeah, yeah. they've also had a lot of shit. But that shit hasn't cost them that much. In fact, it probably hasn't cost them anything at all. They've probably still got some revenue from that. From the games that have been a bit poo. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is where, for me, they don't do things the way I would do. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a business wanker of high, high regard. Of, you're a business wanker of low regard. Yes, I am. I'm more of an armchair business wanker. Um, <laughs> Backseat business wanker? Uh, but, you know, I used to run one of their shops. I, I used to talk to hobbyists for eight hours a day. Yeah. Four days a week. No one came in on a Tuesday, and they, they, they have a very strange approach to what they do. It's not the only thing about their model that bugs me. Yes, I'd, and you know, if they're just trying to throw stuff out there and try and make some some money, and maybe it'll draw a few people in and get them interested in stuff, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to trying to almost sort of scatter gun, see what sticks, see what works, see what yeah. doesn't. You risk devaluing your brand, of course. Yes, too many shit games no one will buy the good ones everyone will associate your brand with shit games yeah pulling back on what you said like when you, you, know, mm. you you've got that experience of managing a store yes now my experiences of being a customer in these stores yeah has varied or well no no it's not varied it was very consistent for a long long time mm. and then recently has changed okay i remember when i was young going in and going oh look there's all of these tables set up for gaming and there's people playing games and it's cool yeah mm. Um, and then they went weird and went, you're not allowed to play specialist games anymore. And everyone went, oh, yeah, all right, yeah. dicks, we'll just play 40k then. And again, but there were still people going in the short store and playing games. Yeah, yeah. And I remember there during summers of, you, you try and go in there on a half term, Jesus, you'd lose an arm. There were kids everywhere playing games, running around, bleeding, all the stuff kids <laughs> do. Okay, so what's changed then? Apart from the fact that you're pushing 30 and life is different now. Because but you ha- we, have to, we do have to be aware that our perception, yes. it, yeah. But my is my my ability to perceive people in a shop hasn't changed. Yeah. yeah. Now you go in a shop now, and there were five people in the shop apart from us, not yeah. including staff. When we went in today, and do you know what? That is the busiest I have seen it in yeah. two years. No, yeah. I mean we're talking about one particular shop, and we aren't. one shop is not the barometer. Of no, but. 
a whole company. Nor is it mid the time we we got midweek sort of thing during yeah. school times of things. Do you do you, do, you, do you guys used to do the thing and you go to a new sh- a new city? Yeah, yeah. And you'd go in if you saw their games work. You would go or you'd in, even yes. look, see get you pop into their games work to see what was different. Yes, yeah. to look at the models they had painted in the cabinet because mm-hmm. they'd be different to the ones yes. in your shop because yeah. they were done by their staff. I mean, I still do... If I see a Games Workshop, mm-hmm. I'll still pop in. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, I've been in the last year and a bit, I've been in Leicester, Nottingham and Cambridge. And I've been one in Lincoln. Oh, year. and the one that's in like a weird underground bunker in Covent Garden. <laughs> Um, it's really weird in there. Well, it's not been I particularly like recent. <laughs> I've got fond memories of the, the two shops I've been in with any sort of frequency apart from ours was the one in Stoke-on-Trent. Yep. And, again, the Cambridge store I've been in a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, yeah. Each store is very individual, and it's weird. Yeah, I don't... None of them seem to be saying to me, this is a successful thing. No. They seem to be very, very quiet. Yeah, there's just a general sort of flatness to them. That but Maybe yeah. it's the rose-tinted glasses of nostalgia. Potentially. I do remember when I was a kid, because I didn't go in there very often, but when we, my friend Zid used to go in there, it yeah. was a lot busier. I remember playing... Warhammer games, the fantasy one, where there were so many of us weaker in the store that we'd control a squad each. Yeah, yeah, yeah and you'd have 30 people around the table yeah. and there'd be a massive game yeah. going on. Yeah. I have a fond, fond memory of my infiltrated scout unit shooting down a Dark Elder Ranger and most of the people... Uh, Raider, sorry, and most of the people in it dying horribly <laughs> and kind of going, ha-ha, victory, and then achieving nothing else that game. But, you know, I was happy I did a thing. Games yeah. Workshop is really good for violent, murderous childhood memories. It yes, is, it yes. is. And ones <clears throat> about male lactation. We went into a store today. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah, we've done some research. See, well, don't get this on one of those other podcasts. I was astounded to see, A, two proper gaming tables in the store. Yes. Because at one point, all the stores seemed to throw out their gaming tables because mm. having people playing games in the store somehow <coughs> stopped you making money. I'm not quite sure on that. And there were people playing a game yeah. in yeah. the shop and having two, fun. Two games going yeah. simultaneously, yeah. Brian. And that's great, surely, to have the hobby being played yeah. in the store for atmosphere, for community for yeah. something other than just some lonely person sat there waiting to so that they for you to come in so they can try and sell you something yeah i, I mean th- it's this odd. is it's odd it's very odd this is the change i noticed i remember going from the days of i've just bought this thing and stuck it together so i'm going to use it mm. to them saying no you can't play with unpainted models in the store yeah to we've only got one gaming table you have to book a time to no, we'd rather you set up your own clubs and played at home. Get out of our shop. Don't play things here. Yeah, and that I think that's they 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 pushed more towards this. No, no, we'd like to sell you things, but we don't have to be responsible yeah. for your fun. Now, <laughs> yeah, and I think they they've backpedaled on that now, and it's starting yeah. to go back towards what it was. And do you know what? If they really push back and back and back to to where it the, the golden age of Games Workshop mm. when we were fifteen to twenty and it was a thriving thing, I think they could get back there and it could become positive again. It certainly sounded that way as we were talking to them. She's like, "Oh, you just bring this, or you can play with these things." Yeah. And well, there were, there kind of were people things. playing in there with half painted yeah. stuff, and which yeah. was nice to see. It, it yeah. became the gaming club network, and this is this is again something that that's changed the feel of Games Workshop. The gaming club network kind of took over from the store and the store became a thing where where they were just selling stuff and they would pass you on to a gaming club network now in september of last year september 2015 the gaming club network ceased its affiliation with games workshop 
They are no longer tied. I think we're now seeing the return of games to the store and the store becoming more of that hobby centre, as yep. I mentioned all hours ago now, um, <laughs> as opposed to just that place where you go to buy things. Yeah, yeah, it very much, like you say, it moved into being a point of sale rather than anything else. And if it's just a point of sale, if it's just a place where you go to buy something, then Games Workshop retail stores will die. Yes. Because I can go in our town centre, and we are not a big town, we have a local friendly local gaming store that we have mentioned yeah that stock games workshop they sell the same stuff for 15 to 20 percent cheaper mm-hmm. yep i can buy the stuff online for 20 percent cheaper and have it turn up at your house yeah and it arrives and it's there and i could i don't have to leave the house the thing that i would buy stuff in the games workshop store because i was I know, I know this wasn't everyone, but it was somewhere you could go to talk to knowledgeable people, to immerse yourself in the hobby, to yeah. meet people, to play games, and then you buy some stuff while you were there. Because if they went, oh, you, you've, you're doing this, yeah, I'll help you stick it together, or, <laughs> oh, you, you want to paint them this way, I'll show you how to do it. Yeah. Um, oh, we've got this new base and stuff, why don't you try this? Oh, cool, do you want to buy some so you can do the rest of your army? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it generates its own momentum. I yeah. liked my the staff. The staff felt more like my friends. Yeah. They weren't because they were there. They were being paid to be nice to me. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a community <clears throat> thing. And once you remove the playing of games, you've lost a level of that. You lose that. And then why why spend an extra twenty percent? Why this, go to the shop? This is falls back to us being sort of slightly antisocial geeks kind of thing, or just socially anxious in a lot of respects. Yeah. It was a very Broad spectrum, especially when we were young, you know, because being a geek wasn't a good thing back then. I think we've grown out of it now. Yeah, yeah, now. But it was a kid, especially. Yeah, yeah. And I look at the games workshop the same way as I looked at my old job working at a library in a, in a school. You know, those places were sort of safe havens a little bit. You go there, you've got to know there are people playing. Same way as board game convention was, actually. Yeah, yeah. there are people playing the same game as you know how to play. There are people, the staff, who you feel safe to talk to about something and go, I don't understand how this model works. Can you help? Do you know what it is? It's guaranteed common ground. Yes. Which is very hard to find when you are into a niche hobby. The rise of online retailers mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. has happened during the time... Because back when we were kids... Mum, I want, I want a space. I want a rhino to carry my face marines in. Yeah, they couldn't go. Yeah, all right, but I'll go online and get it for you cheaper. Yeah, that wasn't really an option. No. And yes, you had this wonderful community that you could go and partake in. And while you were in the shop, you could go. I've got some money. I can buy a thing because yeah. I want it. And you had all of this. Um, and I think the the rise of the internet has <laughs> has played a part in this. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, Skynet would be proud, but. <laughs> I also think that Games Workshop at the same time, while they sort of they had this this horrible opposition to their stores, yeah, really then took the wrong yeah they, they put the wrong foot forward with trying to deal yeah, with it. Cut tables, cut yeah. staff. That's that's the other thing that's really noticeable. Yeah, how I mean, much staff they. Well, this out. is the thing because it used to be like I was I was twelve. I wanted some elder yeah for Christmas. I told my parents they could go into the shop, ask the friendly local games workshop employee, yep. the flugui, um, if they could, what they had, and the flugui would, would, you know, help them, they'd puzzle it out. You will say to someone, oh, I'd like you to go to games workshop and buy me one of these, and they will turn up at the games workshop, and it will be closed. Yeah. Yes. We have attempted to do this podcast on two separate occasions before, and yeah. what happened, Aaron? 
Yeah, the store was closed on both occasions. Yeah, once because it was a Sunday. A Sunday, yep. They're open on a Sunday, our local store now. But it's a weekend. I know. Right, it's a retail store. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you you, you shut on Tuesdays because no one goes into hobby stores on Tuesdays. Apart from us today. Yeah, and like, I don't know, on a a Wednesday maybe, or a Thursday, or whatever night, whatever day you're not going to be busy. And and the other occasion, uh, because the... um, only person that works there happened to need a holiday <laughs> funnily enough you know those things you're legally allowed to have yeah. and they didn't think it was worth actually hiring in a temp or somebody from another <laughs> store to cover for her no. so the store just closed no sign of this on the outside of the store the only place that it, it said this was on their Facebook page which also at the time on the left hand side where you can put your shop hours told me the shop was was open you can't run a business like that you no. sh- you need multiple people in, in a store to keep open for an extended period of time to stop them from getting worn out but you know there's all sorts of weird weird business practices weird business practices now actually that brings me on perfectly because as we're having a bit of a whinge about weird business practices their refusal to have any kind of hey look what's coming out let's get excitement going because we've got a change coming up no oh what's the next codex coming out don't know Mm-hmm. Did you run the store? Yeah, I don't know. What's what's happening okay. with the rules? Are you going to change it? Can I offer you an insider's peek? Yes, behind, peek behind the meaty curtains of Games Workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Release schedule. When I started working there 13 years ago as a young elfling, myself and the other elflings, we would know in advance what was coming out. Mm-hmm. There'd be a sort of thing that you wouldn't, weren't supposed to let people know more than a couple months in advance because... They might get distracted by the shiny thing and not buy money, but spend money, buy money, spend money in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Things like a new edition of a game, so a new rules revamp, new box set, etc., etc., yeah. were known three to six months in advance. Now, I mean, um, I said we talk about Warhammer Quest. Warhammer Quest Silver Tower came out uh, a few weeks ago. Mm. It was announced a week before it came out. How in the bloody hell? As a retailer, do you generate momentum and excitement and anticipation for something that's coming out in a week? I remember release days, big release days, when we'd release, say, a new game of that sort, a new one-off game or a new edition. A new army release, perhaps, as well. More popular new army release. We'd have competitions, we'd have lots of pre-orders, we'd have people waiting outside to come and pick stuff up yeah we would we would make it into an event we yep. would run a master class so oh this new space marine tanks come out at one o'clock on the day this staff member is going to run a workshop on how to build it and then we're gonna have a giant tank battle at four o'clock when the glue has set um, <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah, yeah. yeah they can't do that now because they only find out officially a week in advance yeah. you can't plan for I that don't, this shit gets leaked on the internet anyway Games Workshop I don't know if you've checked the forums <laughs> they have these things on the internet where people talk and people know roughly what's coming mm. out some people just make stuff up for a laugh if you ever get bored just go on one of these things and tell them that there's new Sisters of Battle Plastics coming out <laughs> People lose their They shit. do, they do, they explode with delight. They're bringing back the squats, Brian. I've heard that numerous times over yes. the years. Um, but actually, no, there's some very reliable rumours and things. They don't tell people in advance. Now, I play Malifaux, 
Yeah, you may have noticed. <laughs> I can go on their website now and look up the Malifaux release schedule all the way up until September. It is currently the beginning of July. I've got two and a half months worth of releases there. Mm. I can plan my purchases. I can get excited. I can read up the rules. I can I can start proxying models for the things I want to buy. I can pre-order now for stuff I want in the future. Also, yep. you can go on there and look at their Monday previews and see stuff that's coming out in the new book. Which isn't out for months. Yeah. But, do you know what? That makes me go, ooh, I want this book. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, stuff. Ooh, things. So if yeah. they went, in two months' time, the Blood Angels are coming... Yeah, have a look at some models. You'd be going fucking hell. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, you might not quite sell as many Blood Angel things as you've already got, or actually, you might people might go. Well, I'll get them now that. before they put the price up because the new edition's put <laughs> it out. Yeah, there's so many things they could do. So many yeah. little adaptations to this this fucking stupid rule that yeah. really does my head but, in. But who's gonna go? If you Joe, if we all decided now, yeah, let's all get back into Warhammer Forty Thousand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went out and I I went right. I want this and spent £200 on a brand new army mm-hmm. and then yep. next month they released the new codex and a whole bunch of new miniatures to replace what I just bought I'd tell the game system to fuck off I would, I would throw a, a hissy fit yeah. Yeah. the likes of which you guys have seen sadly. <laughs> uh, the people at home it would become legend unto them and their descendants if they were to see such if a if you've fit. ever seen yeah. the um, the angry man on YouTube with a guitar that does something wrong and throws a fit that's fairly accurate Yeah, I, I just it, it, it's almost like they don't trust their own customers to know what's coming out it's really odd yeah. I, I find it really strange and I mean it's not like just their customers their staff members everything I mean well, yeah. can, can you think of any other company at all that does the same thing you can't have this no secret things that right. we're going to go haha 20 years ago when no other fucker made anything that was remotely even close to your godlike empire fine now now Malifaux, I yeah. can buy a starter box for an army that comes with shit all. I've got three jet bikes and a tank. 50 quid. I don't get any rules. Mm-hmm. I don't get any anything useful at all. For 50 quid, I can go out and buy a starter set for Malifaux, the rule book, and an extra model. Yeah. And I've got the equivalent of a 1,500-point army yeah. and the rules for I it. I do like... GW does offer good value in its starter boxes. The Age of Sigmar starter box yeah. and the Dark Vengeance starter box, that's £65. Don't buy it from them. Buy it from somewhere else for about 55 And they're not that bad. No, but... The thing is, if you don't want to collect the two armies that are in it... Oh, they're pointless. They're yeah. still, well, that and... Well, this is the thing well, with the Age of Sigmar one particularly, is you're not collecting that army. You're collecting whatever you want. Right, Malifaux, War Machine. If I buy a model, I get the rules with it. Yeah. Going to workshop, I've got to buy unit terminators. Mm. Right, I need to I need the codex to use this and the rest of the army. Yeah. Codexes are averagely £30. Yeah. I might want to use one of their really cool new formations that they've got for 40k now. I'm really excited, really, really cool. Cool, so I need the supplement book that's 25 quid. Mm. I've just spent £60 on books without any models. Plus the rule book is fifty. Plus, okay, so it's one hundred and ten pounds. The hardback rule book is fifty. Do they do a softback anything anymore? No, no. Um, they do some of the some of the supplements for Age of Sigmar and softback. It confused me, but <laughs> it was cheap. But yeah, so it looks really sad. There's one hundred and ten pounds worth of books just to play the game. If I want to play Malifaux, I need to spend twelve ninety nine on the yeah. tiny little just rules book, 
and buy a model. Yeah. And that's everything I need to fucking play with it. Yeah. Value, you've got value for money. with. And we, we discussed model pricing as well earlier and going, actually, model for model, they're similar price to Malifaux yeah, and to yeah. War Machine yeah, and everything yeah, else. Yeah. Yeah. Problem is, with Malifaux, I need six of the fuckers. I don't need 20 things <laughs> and a tank this and is, something this else. This is the thing, though. I mean, a lot of people, the idea of a war game is more appealing. The idea of having big armies, big yeah. formations, big units. Yeah playing a war game rather than a skirmish game I understand that mm-hmm. I had an orc army that had over 500 models in it uh, don't get me wrong I, I do I very much used to love getting my army out onto the table yes yeah but what I've realised is I like competitive tabletop games mm-hmm. there is very very little difference for me in moving my one mage over here and zapping someone than there was to moving my ten space marines over there and shooting someone. Yeah. You're rolling more dice. I'm using cards <laughs> now, I play Malifaux. But, <laughs> well, you're rolling more dice, but... So, is that a good thing? I would... The interaction's the same. I move one or a chunk of things here and do a yeah. thing. There's no, very little difference apart from the fact that it's cost me ten times as much from this one bloke to those ten blokes. Yeah. Which is why, with Age of Sigmar particularly, they appear to have moved towards a more... I know they already call them hobbyists, but a hobby perspective. You are now collecting things you can put out on display as much as you can then have a little bit of a game with them. Yeah, well, Age, Age of Sigmar is... Um, you explain this to me, Brian, because I wasn't really yeah. paying attention at this point. I focused on the 40k and the rules when we went in. Yeah, and I went and wandered over and lit the paints because that was boring me. Yeah. <laughs> um, because Just because we different parts of the hobby appealed to us. You like yeah. models and painting, yeah. primarily. Yeah, because it's kind of the thing you end up Doing spending the most, the most time yeah, yeah. on. Aaron enjoys the the background and the story. Yeah. And I enjoy playing the game and beating people because I've mastered the rules. Yeah, so we like different things from the hobby. Yeah. We do like different things from the hobby now. I said, oh God, I'm doing that games workshop thing. Here's a bugbear of mine. Arr, challenge rating one. Slaying. Um <laughs> roll initiative. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> games workshop refer to it as the hobby or you know the hobby. Mm-hmm. Are you a hobbyist? What do you collect? In the, what what you know? Your hobby, 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 hobby. Yeah. The hobby is more than Games Workshop now. You were right when you said twenty years ago when they were high street presence. You know you couldn't just go on the internet and order all these yeah. different games and these pretenders to the throne that they, arrived. They had the, mono- the monopoly yeah, on yeah. war games. Yeah. And now it's just like I've got no, no. The thing they have. It's a big shop dedicated to their games that they could be using to play them. A very expensive way of selling their product. And they're not using it properly. And I think it's why we mentioned earlier the mass, kind of almost mass exodus of players after Age of Sigmar. Mm -hmm. I know all of the local fantasy players to Peterborough that I know from competitive gaming or anything else all kind of just went... Fuck you, I ain't playing this anymore. Yeah. It was again, it was very much a what the fuck games workshop. Yeah. Because they took their game away. Yeah. Age of Sigmar is a thing to do with your collected models. Yeah. Not mm. a thing to do you collect models for. Chi, uh, from talking in the store, obviously I've only got their words to go on it, admittedly. Age of Sigmar does seem to be the more popular thing. She, you know, I do ask, could you come in and play fantasy games still? Because mm. you can still buy them from Black Library. Black Library, that's it. Um, you can still buy all the stuff from there until yeah. obviously they've got none of it left. Um, she's like, yeah, of course you can. There's no issue with that. I don't have a problem with that at all. You're more Do you than welcome to. But she said, Age of Sigma seems to be the thing. It's probably because we've got the stuff in store, but they seem to, I see to the game people want to come in and play now. Well, that's Which probably because it's there. 
it's there and it's what they're they're yeah. selling and pushing yeah. and, and that kind of thing. Of course. It's it's just a very odd and like an odd business practice every now and then. You know, that that's quirky, that there yeah. might be an idea behind it, people might be trying yeah. things out. But we have a litany of really odd business practices. It's, it's one stacked on top of another. That, yeah. that combine to make this really, really weird kind of yeah. What the fuck Games Workshop? Yeah. I mean, what they've done with White Dwarf, where White Dwarf went to being this kind of weekly brochure yeah. of mm. here's a thing. Because obviously, if you're trying to publicise something for a month and you don't want to give away anything that's coming out mm-hmm. later, then you, you then go to the, the weekly oh. thing. They've gone back to being a monthly thing now. They're, they've had a, a change at the top of the company. The company seems to be moving in a different direction. I think it's swinging back to where how it used to be. But it, yeah. it's a big beast now. It's ponderous. Yes, it's it hard is. to it steer. Is. It's not like when it used to have 40 shops and yeah. could react quite quickly. No, I mean, like, like Aaron said, it's got all of these things in place. Yeah. It's got a fucking monthly magazine that comes out every month. Mm-hmm. Use this to draw up some anticipation for stuff that's coming out next yeah. month, that's coming out in a couple of months. We always used to have time. next month, and it would have a picture of, ooh, next month, Codex Eldar, and it have a picture, and you'd, you'd go you'd go in, I mean, we wouldn't do it now necessarily as much. Well, we got Unless excited you, about the Malifaux previews. We did, and we, were yeah. we did. We, yeah, did. we um, were discussing those before we decided to discuss them on the podcast. But do you know what? We all got excited about the Malifaux previews, because it wasn't just the, here's the Arcanist stuff that Joe cares about. It was, here's something for everyone. Yes. Yes. And again, this is one of my biggest grr, bugbears things with games workshops. Like you said, you buy an army, oh, here's the new codex, everything's changed. If you're not playing the most recently released army, you're probably slightly behind on power. Because yeah. there was always this codex creep, this power creep going on, where whatever came out most recently had obviously been playtested against everything else, and so oh. felt the most balanced and the most powerful. And... It's bullshit. It's a game that's, that's again 40k. If they turn it 40k into Age of the Emperor mm. and do the same thing they done with Age of Sigma, fine. Because mm. you know what, Age of Sigma is very much a casual game. 40k is not. 40k is still a competitive game. It's something that you you can still tweak little bits of your army. You do all got... of these things to make it this massive cool thing. They've they've started adding in loads of elements of randomness more recently. Add that to the fact that you have this constant creep of power. And do you know what it. it it's not a fair system. Yeah, the, the, nothing the Games Workshop way seems to be they. It's like rock paper scissors. They they yep. build an army that's all rock to defeat the scissors that they just made, and then they go, oh, here's some here's some paper army, yeah, mm-hmm. and they build that, and then they go, oh, and then here's a scissors, and they they just keep sort of cycling yeah. through, <clears throat> and offering solutions to problems they've only just made, rather than not giving it and, to everyone. And mm-hmm. do you know what? That was a fucking genius business model back when they were the only company doing it. Yeah, yeah, because it was like, oh, well, I, oh, I should buy this army because well, I, I better have it. that one. Yeah, you'd normally have two or three armies on the yeah. go because you wanted to use whatever was current and good. Yeah, even even that, having something come out for each army at a time, you're engaging more of your customer base mm-hmm. more continuously. Mm-hmm. This idea of actually what they're doing with Age of Sigmar is like that because yeah. they go here, sir, here we're releasing all of the Fire Slayers, the new. Troll Slayer type equivalent yeah. that they can get copyright. We know what you did, changing all the names of everything. <laughs> we know why you did it. We haven't even mentioned it up until now because it's so fucking obvious. You mean, you mean that they didn't change the Lizardman to the Sephiron just because it sounded better, Brian? <laughs> um, they released these. It's not just for dwarf players. It's for 
order players. Yes. Therefore, you're engaging a bigger chunk of your audience at yeah. a time. If you release a campaign book and you release models from different factions at the same time, which they seem to be doing a little bit, as mm -hmm. well as keeping some elements of the codex thing, yeah. you want your people coming into your store, thinking about your products, getting excited about it more consistently. Yes. Whereas at the moment, it's like, right, you, Dark Angels player, here is six months worth of hobby fun. Come back in five years when we make a new Dark Angels Codex. Yeah. Go away now. Being rules bastard. I'm no, gonna, I'm we gonna... need to make you a theme tune. Rules bastard. Bastard of the rules. Changing 40k to how your armies are made. You now, you, you now don't have to just stick to your normal force organisational chart. And I'm not going to explain what that is because you should fucking know if you've got this far in. Um, <laughs> is it a chart that lets you organise your force? <gasps> You know. Um, so rather than my first rodeo joke. <laughs> rather than your HQ two troops, you can now turn around and say, "Oh, I want to play a, this style of army that changes what your mandatory units are." I don't like that. No. As far as I'm concerned, it can fuck off because I like core armies. I've always been like that. I've never liked Forge World because it was stuff that was outside the norm. And uh, no. Okay. I like I like the fact that yeah you can have all this fun and change things around and do what you like but I'm I'm the sort of person that I don't like like Brian doesn't like conflict and stuff with these games it's a massive thing that bothers you where other people are going to be dicks about stuff oh yeah, yeah. so I like I like really clearly written rules because it avoids yes. the Bastard thing of, of someone going well actually I think it works like this and yeah. it not being clear and that's exactly instance. why I never liked Forge World. Mm -hmm. oh, I've got this in my army. Do you agree to let me use it? No. Oh, I'm not playing you then. Mm. Okay, bye-bye. Type shit. Yeah. yeah, and then it's... Whereas now, weird. I think it'd be really good if Tyranids and Orcs joined up. Okay, if someone's letting you do that, that's fine. But I don't want to go into a situation going, can well, I please no. play with the toys in the way that I want to? Yeah. Which Age of Sigma, again, more recent games, seems to be allowing yeah, yeah. more, more scope—not unlimited scope—because you know there has to be there has to be some kind of organisation. Yeah, and <laughs> otherwise it would be madness. Well, actually, if you're going to be chaos, you just put wherever you like it. Let's be honest. If I'm honest, that's one of the things 40k does now. You can have an unbound army. Yeah. So yeah. you take your force organisational okay. chart that people have been licking for years to try and get the best out of, and you throw it out of the side of your Thunderhawk gunship. They have this thing now where you can have an unbound army and you can basically just do what the fuck you want. Yeah, essentially. As long as you both agree to it. But you no, 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 no. No, that's the thing. If you've got an unbound army, mm. you can go, I am going to take four HQs and six heavy supports. That's my army. Okay. And you can do that as a legal tournament, legal army. Yeah. You don't get some benefits. Like if you have a normal, I so, followed my force organisation. So I could have six Vindicators... Giant heavy cannons yep. and a man with a mop to come along and just clean up. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, genuinely, that could be your army. World War One. You can you can have this unbound army where you don't have to follow a force organization chart. <clears throat> but if you're playing against someone that does, they get priority when it comes to claiming objectives. If you both are near the same thing, yeah. If if one of you has followed a force organization chart, you're you're better regimented in whatever and well yeah so, I mean the other side probably going to fall apart soon anyway with all the bickering and the infighting yeah, you, you get a benefit for following the rules and it's interesting it allows you to partake in the shinies of the new armies hmm. and stuff more so if you play the Imperium because it's always been Games Workshop's favourite child yeah it slightly mitigates the whole other people got toys and I didn't but not enough, in my opinion. One of the things I really like that Malifaux does, just because we haven't talked about it for at least five minutes, and I do so <laughs> love it, is 
It has masters that are cross-faction. Mm. So you have McMorning, who is a resurrectionist mm. on the side, secretly, but his day job is for the guild, and he can work with the guild doing things. Yeah. Um, and that allows you to get an element of this in that you can sort of move between... Your collection, at least, can move between factions. Yes. Um, so I started off by buying stuff for Neverborn. Then I bought Lucius and went, oh, I've got some guild now. Yeah. Um, and then I, I just ended up with bits of everything because, yeah, why not? Games Workshop's thing is... What they seem to be heading towards is we sell models, yeah. not make game systems yes we 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 make really nice models mm. and we we sell the models and then we provide you with a framework to use them yeah other companies i mean i think a privateer here privateer make a game yes and they provide models for you to play the game yes privateer seems very much driven by the game yes yeah. itself I would say something like Guild Ball feels that way as well. Yeah, yeah, well it's got nice background and mm. it's got nice models. It's It seems very, here is a game, we are doing this, it's all focused on the game and then yeah. everything else is, is and there. And they've got some very clever writers who then merge that around it. I could happily have walked out today with about £400 worth of Games Workshop models mm. because I saw that much stuff that I thought was pretty mm-hmm. and light and would paint and would collect. And then having some kind of safety net going, well, you can, at least you can use them all, all together if they're in the yeah. right half of the thing. It is quite good. But, for instance, what that wouldn't drive me to do, which is what I've done with Malifaux, I've painted, like, 20 models. Mm. I've then, I think I've painted oh, about an eighth of what I've got. Mm. It's not pushing me to... Because I'll go, oh, I need this thing to work with, or this thing will work yeah. with this master, or this thing will work in this way. There, There is a balance. And I think sitting around the table, we've got that balance. We've got people who are really into the models mm-hmm. and what they look like and would collect and paint regardless of the game. Yeah. We've also got people that would just game. Yeah. And if the game system isn't up to scratch then it doesn't matter what the model's like because they ain't going to get used in the tabletop, so why would I buy it? Yeah. Yep. And what Games Workshop seems to do, they seem to they seem to be teetering. They don't seem to quite get the balance right to mm-hmm. capture a wide enough audience. Yeah. <coughs> which is why I feel that they're in trouble because who is Games Workshop's audience? Are they targeting the 12-year-old kid who's going to stick stuff together and then play games with it? Mm-hmm. Are they targeting the people our age who have got now got those rose-tinted glasses of nostalgia? Are they trying to capture an audience with a video game and bring them into the store? Mm-hmm. Are they targeting collectors and then just giving them something fun to do with other collectors occasionally? And really it's all about the painting and the collecting. It doesn't feel like they're keeping the church broad enough. They seem to be focusing and then missing out on other things. And rather than go, oh, do you know what? Maybe we should just widen our gaze a little bit. Mm-hmm. They've gone, no, no, we, we were looking at the people that wanted to play the game with Warhammer and we've made a very good tournament system. Oh, but, but let's go focus on these people. Fuck the others. There's no, and that's the problem. There's got. no reason with the resources that they have that they can't have really nice models and a really good game system yeah yeah no I completely agree because you know what other companies manage it 
Mm. Um, I, I mean, Games Workshop are massive. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's the thing. They are and enormous. I, and do you know what? This is this is the reason I get so angry with them when they do stupid things. Mm-hmm. Privateer Press makes stupid decisions sometimes, and I go, yeah, fair enough. You're a little company, so learning, bless you. Well, yeah, they're not really little anymore, and no, they're not really learning anymore, but everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. Malifaux. Oh, I actually fuck up, got nothing bad to say about Malifaux. Games Workshop, you have all the resources ever. Mm-hmm. when it comes to making a bloody miniatures game. Do you know what? You've got all the bloody experience ever as well. Mm-hmm. Why is it so hard for you to make something that's decent, inclusive, and does all things right? Yeah. Because you've done every single bit of it correct in the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, there have been times when you've made the best system ever for playing yeah. games. Or you've um, brought up some brilliant law that really fits and makes the universe seem brilliant. And you've made these amazing models that have made people that don't want to play the game go, I want that just because it looks nice. You've tapped into your your staff who are passionate about it and got some great tournaments going and some really... Or, or great campaigns. hobby events. Yeah. Or, I'm always saying sort of broaden, but you know you need to focus those talents a bit more. Stop. Onto making something cohesive. The game system for Age of Sigmar needs tweaking because it's very much just a... What can I do about it? It's casual. It's casual. That's it's fine. fine. I enjoyed it. Yeah, to be fair. I had nothing against casual games. Um, no, me neither. It's, it was a fun little system. But if you wanted it to be competitive as well, you need to have some something yeah, in there I to make it competitive. The thing is, they've turned what used to be a favourite of tournament players. And tournament players are a small percentage of your audience. Yeah. Joe, you're in the minority. I, yes. But they're also people that spend a lot of money. Yeah. Often mm. in one big whack. Often at odd times of the year, like summer when there's tournaments on, yeah. as opposed to at Christmas where you make most of your money. Yeah. Again, they just need to keep the, the church broad. Is it just the case that, that we're not the audience anymore? That Quite being possibly. 30-ish, yeah. mm-hmm. that now it's no longer for us? Is it? Is it really something that we've I, left behind? I was just about to go, yeah, probably, because we've moved on to other things. But, but then I looked at the prices. I remember the prices. <laughs> I went, okay... I mean, I'm enjoying the, <laughs> I'm enjoying the law system for Age of Sigma. It's some things I like. Warhammer, I enjoyed it when I was 40k. I enjoyed it when I was a kid. But looking back at it now, it's a bit bum, to be honest. <laughs> um, but as, as a teenage a teenager, I probably, would, I, you know, I'd still probably lap that up and enjoy it in things. <laughs> if, if I happen to have children who were playing the system and they came up to me and went, oh, I want to buy a, a, a little army, and I'm only saying little. Daddy, daddy, I want them Space Marines. Space Marines. Let's have a look how much that is. £60 for that and then the books you could fuck right off and then I would boot the child out of wherever I was and then never speak to them again yeah. I can't, it couldn't afford that as a parent this is it now like when you you said oh you know are we just not their audience anymore because yeah, I, I worry that this just comes across as a bunch of sport millennials going <laughs> why is this not for me I want everything to be about me this thing isn't for me it has no value I think we've kind of fairly... I mean, you've argued that it's not for competitive players, which is fair enough. You have argued that it's for modellers and things like that a little bit. Yeah. Age of Sigma, yeah. I mean, yeah. but I'm, I'm not... I'm, I'm talking about they're, they're Games pro- Workshop as a whole. I yeah. Because, like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it's targeted at me anymore for I any reason. I can't see who it is targeting that, though. That's um, the problem. The thing is, if you look at 10 years ago, it was targeted because cause kids could come and enjoy it. Yeah. And the tournament players enjoyed it, which are people that are our age yeah, and like this demographic. Yeah. And I used to know loads of people that would go in, buy stuff, only have it because they looked pretty. Yeah. Mm. Or went in and bought the books. They didn't want to play the game, but they loved the universe and stuff. Yeah. And you, you, they hit all of the, the, these demographics, and mm. now they seem to have just gone, 
oh, we don't really know. We're just just pissing into the wind trying yeah, to find yeah. someone they're that's flailing, interested. They're aren't they? They're yeah. flailing. And it's, it's odd and it, it's weird. And you get... We, we see the business end of that. I mean, having mm-hmm. been in the company and yeah, seen, yeah. seen how it changed, part of the reason I left is when they started shifting to this no warning of... Yeah. Thing. And it's when they shifted to a month, not to a week, which, which came later. How do you engage people? A hobby is, by definition, something you spend your spare money on. Yeah. If I'm not excited about one hobby, look around you in this room. I have plenty of other things to spend my money on. Yeah. You know, we're surrounded by walls. Pro- well, yeah. Well, I was going to say a, thou- a thousand <laughs> books, a thousand DVDs. Yeah. My board game collection was here. We've yeah. been pushing 50 board games, and I only bought my first board game three years ago. Yeah. You know, I've got other things. I'll find a different game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if Games Workshop don't want my money as someone who generally... Has, it, you, has it to spend, well, really? Yeah. You, you point to me and say... You know, Brian likes the models and the miniatures and the painting. Yes, I do, but there's no way I would have over a hundred Malifaux models at this point mm-hmm. if I was just building building them to paint. Yeah, I would have thirty really really nicely painted ones. Yeah, um, that I'd have picked and chosen from across the range. As it is, I've got those thirty that I think will be nice, plus another ninety to make them work. Yes, and it it fuels my enthusiasm for going out and buying more stuff. Every time we play a game, I'm thinking about we're talking about we're engaged in that particular part of the hobby. Yeah, and therefore, I then go home and I'll just have a look on their website and go, oh, that's a really nice model. I'll buy that. Then this is that different approach. There's models and painting and collecting. Yep. There is gaming and hardcore competitive gamer kind yeah. of things. Yeah. There is fluff. Aaron was excited and interesting because they changed the world up a bit and it was yeah. different. It was <laughs> sorry, you said Aaron was excited and interesting. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> but he's normally really dull. He's just normally quite blank. But <laughs> um, today he showed some sides yeah. of life. And it, it worries me when they turn around and go, actually no, we're refocusing just to be all about the models and then everything else comes from the models. It's like, yeah, okay, that, that's a, a nice kind of almost idealistic way of, yeah, we started in the 70s and 80s when it was all about the models. But you built a name for yourself by diversifying and doing other things mm-hmm. and expanding upon that. And they seem to be taking backward steps. Why should Games Workshop listen to a bunch of windy people like us? Well, we're not alone. No, we no. other people that are dissatisfied with Age of Sigma. I think of all the people that I mentioned at the beginning who I know through Games Workshop. I can add more people onto that. Mm-hmm. Um, other friends. None of who... I don't know anybody now that's a regular Games Workshopper. Again, that could be an age thing. Yeah, you would expect there to be a drop-off, but I've not, I, I'm not. less involved in my hobbies than I was as a child, mm-hmm. but I st- I'm still engaged in them. Yeah. Why is all the time and money, and it's been quite a lot of time, yeah. and even more money, yeah. um, that I have invested into, say, Malifaux, why has that not been in Games Workshop? Given that in our gaming group, it is the one thing that we all have in common, yeah. or had yeah, in yeah. common at one point. Yeah. It's quite odd, isn't it, if you think about it that way. We've all kind of moved away from it, and it's kind of shifted its focus away. And exclu- I feel it's excluded us. Yes, and that, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's pushed us away. I don't think we've moved away from Games Workshop. Yeah. I think we feel pushed out, yeah. whether it's by pricing, changes in direction. Mm. Yeah. I mean, at the age of 30, I'm not going to be going into that shop and playing a game on a Saturday. No. Or on a Thursday gaming night. It's not, it's not what I want. But if I do go in and there's something going on, 
I go, oh, that's interesting. That reminds me. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's quite good. Oh, you're doing that. That's quite cool. Oh, yeah, if I buy that, I could do that to Joe and he'll cry into his beard. <laughs> These things have a wider effect than just the people that they're aimed yeah. at. That's yeah. all I was sort of trying yeah. to say. Yeah, no, that makes a fair sense. Yeah. And this approach of models, not games, is, is interesting to me because it seems to be excluding certain types of people. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hi. Well, hello to us around the table. Yeah. But I think Games Workshop do need to change their approach. No, we haven't really talked about the models themselves. We're kind of running out of time. But, you know, okay, as well, I said, £400 worth of stuff I could have picked up today. Yeah. Had, a, had I... Well, I Interestingly, this is this is where one of the things have, has differed slightly. Because you, you went in and go, oh my God, this is cool, this is cool, this is cool, Ooh. this is cool. I probably went... I went in and went, I like that. And then I'm... I went and looked at some of the old models that I remember going, I wish they'd update this. Do you know what? I I was very underwhelmed with the models. All of Walmart, the 40k stuff just completely underwhelmed me. I was far more Apart from that giant dude with the tank tracks, that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. See, I, he's been out of for a while, apparently. Yeah, so, yeah. The things but, they've been doing is bigger, better, shinier, massive giant things, yeah. giant tree men, mm. giant plague monsters, giant lizards with things strapped to the top of them. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I yeah, think that's cool. We, don't get me wrong, I, I love big, gribbly, horrible things. But you also need some appeal to the troops and the smaller things. No, well. no, I, I just think most of their big, gribbly things are fucking shit mm. now as well. I don't... Like when we were going, oh, look at this, oh, look at this, oh, look at this, look at all the, the yeah. giant monsters along the top. Yeah. I didn't see anything in there that made me go, wow, I want that. Oh, I the big yeah, Celeste demon well. in the cabinet... I like it's a Forge World model. Okay, yeah, but I like that. I don't hundred percent think because we didn't see all the models fully painted. No, nope. probably credit due to the person who painted them. But I noticed looking on the boxes and looking at pictures online stuff. I went, these models are a bit wank these days, aren't they? Going into store and actually seeing them painted up and built, I was like, actually, these aren't half bad. I quite like this. We have to admit that, especially you know the way things are going at the moment, we are living in a in a society where less and less people have the money to spend that yes. amount of money on a hobby. Mm-hmm. Especially when that amount on a hobby can get you and your friend a Malifaux box each and a rule book and all the stuff you need yeah. to paint it. And this isn't even going into comparisons with video games, with no. other oh. hobbies for, for kids. Yeah. You know, going in there and going, right, me and Joe, let, let's get tournament legal 40k armies uh, and start playing 40k and get oh the books and stuff. We could each probably have bought an Xbox One mm-hmm. and an exclusive no. game to go with our PS4s. Yeah. <laughs> we could buy a game, a next-gen games console yeah. for the price of really, really getting into these things. Do you know what, actually? Which I... is great for them if they can sell it to you because they're making a lot of money, but it's, it's not for, for an investment. the average person. Yeah. As a retail store being a box that you go to to be enthused about the hobby and have some stuff sold to you or yeah. to buy the stuff you want, I don't see how that's viable when, if you're talking about spending 300 quid mm-hmm. in the store or... Buying it online and saving twenty percent, you've saved sixty, 60 quid. quid. Yeah, and yeah. you know 60, what? That's, 60, that's a lot of money now. Yep, that's, that's a brand new Xbox One game or a PlayStation yeah. Four game or, that, or a hold of a model. That's the starter box on top of what you're buying. Yeah. So I don't understand what and these, delivery. Yeah, I don't understand what these stores are doing now. I going I never, in and picking the thing up and licking it and pressing it against your beard, hiding it down your top and walking out with it. Those things are all doable in the store but they they don't seem to have a large selection of 
things. There used to be a time when everything that was brand new mm. got painted up and chucked up. Yeah. Whereas you couldn't really tell from looking in the cabinets what was new. You could see what the staff were into. Yeah. You know, that's good to mm. go, oh, I really like this and I've spent loads of time doing this and having right. that hobby example, that's person to live up to when you're 12. Yeah. Ah, I want to be just like the part-timer because he's got 6,000 points of Space Marines. Yeah. But it's not showing off the brand new stuff. But again, that's because they've cut back on all the staffing levels and all their everything else. So you've yeah. got you one can't person. expect one person yeah, to paint painting all painting time is now pooing time because you have to kick everyone out. Yeah. You have to cry a little bit about being really lonely. <laughs> yeah. Because that must be a really lonely job. It must be a really kind of... Especially with the... Depressing thing, especially with like sales targets looming over your head. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah pressured, re- reduced as well. yeah. Um, customers as well. They're doing something wrong. And this yeah. is not just us. No, so it's just not. just to, to round off. Then Games Workshop's shares peaked back in two thousand and four, mm-hmm. uh, and then dropped. They reached a similar peak, not quite as big, back in two thousand and thirteen, but they're currently sitting at a five-year low. Mm. So the Games Workshop shares are now sitting f- at their lowest for the last five years. The company's been in trouble before; it will probably get into trouble again. But it's actually it, it's at the bottom of a pit. Yeah. It had another profit warning in January, mm-hmm. uh, from which it again. Starts Stock prices are not the be-all and end-all of working out how a business is doing. No. But no. it's it's a very good indicator of, yeah. of their yes. health in the market. Yeah. You know, putting on my business wanker hat for a second. Sitting there at a five-year low, a year on from relaunching, if not your your biggest game, probably the, the name that is most synonymous sure, with yeah. you, Warhammer, mm-hmm. and spitting out game after game after game in the tie-in stakes... That's not a good place to be. No. And I'd be sad if Games Workshop went. I don't buy their stuff, but I pop in for glue and super glue and liquid green stuff. And I bought some washes and brushes. And I bought a hobby box from there the other day that cost £40. Mm. I wouldn't be. No? I I am. You're a callous, heartless, non-sentimental bastard (laughs) with a heart of basalt. Rules, bastard! Bastard of the rules. Yeah, now, no, I. Do you know what? I've been. I, I think you might recall, I've been saying this for years. I am just waiting for Games Workshop to finish dying its slow death. Yeah. I would miss that. I like their. I like their. IP, I like a lot. As I said, there were models that I, I thought would, were glorious. Don't get me wrong. I would, I would. There was a there was a Ankylosaurus thing with a hat. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the the new Nurgle stuff. Yeah, I think is absolutely glorious in a disgusting, horrible, farting out your own intestines kind of way. But I have to admit, I I, I like the models. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, you're very much you like the models. Like you like how they mm. are, but the simplicity of them occasionally, yeah. easy to paint kind of things. Whereas mm. they're marketing towards obviously making detailed, complex models that you can really get into some details and stuff on, which I quite like. Because I looked at, see, I used to like the Space Marines because of their simplicity, because I'm a crap painter. Mm-hmm. So that's why I used to like them. And I looked at them now and went, because my tastes have changed, I've gone, yawn. These are just dull to me now. Whereas I was enjoying the Nurgles, enjoying the the other models I was looking at. I was like, it's, it's I quite think cool. They're, they're bolder ranges. Some of the some of the new stuff is is bolder, and yeah. the Nurgle they've really pushed it, and they've gone into a sort of extreme direction where they hadn't really gone before. Yeah, Space Marines are Space Marine. Yeah. It's been the same since I was ten. Yeah, and for some people that's comforting. For yeah. some people, uh, if I was twelve and seeing a Space Marine for the first time. 
I'd get exactly the same feeling as I did when I yeah. saw a yeah. spaceman for the first time because it's a space marine. Yeah. But you talked about their worlds being stagnant. Although yeah. they're shifting focus, I think in the same way, that in a similar way, they're, they're still slightly stagnant. They have all these shops and they just sort of carry on doing shop things. They have all this IP and they just kind of do stuff with it. There's There's a lack of sort of... What are they doing to really excite people? I think as well, actually, this is a part of the reason I like the models. I feel they're stagnant now. I think, just to summarise then, I'll summarise what I think and you can just disagree, chip in, amend as necessary. Games Workshop, to me, I have a lot of affection and love for Games Workshop. Mm. wouldn't have spent all this time talking about them if I didn't care. Mm. Games Workshop, to me, as I say, I have a lot of affection for. I would like, as I said, I, I wanted to go into the shop with a slightly grumpy hat on and then go oh, but actually it was amazing and this was happening and this mm. they were doing this yeah. and this and I, I wanted to buy something I you did, did I bought two paints yeah. uh, two pots of wash for a million pounds it, it seems to me like a sleeping dragon mm. and as we know what do dragons sleep on they sleep on all treasure yeah and it's a sleeping dragon and it's got all this treasure that it's asleep it doesn't even know it's there it's got Coming up for 40 years worth of ideas, background, little throwaway sides that stimulate people's imagination and, and blossom into whole armies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got 40 years of people playing its games. It's got 30, 25, 30 years of novels and tie-ins and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That you, you, know, you, you can't buy that kind of depth no. No. and breadth as well to a setting it's probably the most developed science fiction world and fantasy world in the world mm-hmm. use the word yeah, world too I'd, much I'd, yeah, yeah. you know the amount of time and effort put in into it probably far exceeds any other imaginative exercise that i can think of yeah and this dragon is asleep and it doesn't know that all this stuff is there and occasionally when it's asleep it shifts and it moves a little bit of treasure is dislodged and scatters and it, it falls in front of us and we go, oh, that's quite nice. That's quite good. Or as Joe might, oh, no, I don't really like that bit. This is that, that tiara, <laughs> yeah, that tiara is not the nicest thing. But maybe, just maybe if it shifts in a different way, a magic sword might fall down and Joe would be excited. <laughs> like the axe that rends reality. Yeah, yeah. that was quite cool, that actually. Was cool. Um, <laughs> and it needs to wake up and stand up and look at the treasure it's got and start doing something with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Because otherwise, it's going to wake up and the treasure's going to be worthless because there's going to be no one there to share it with because yeah. everyone will have moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that sums up perfectly. They cool. need to tap into the history. They need to use the, the passion the staff have got for things more. They need to use the fact they've got an actual footprint on the high street more. They need to... Just, just, just bring all their things together, and remember, like you said, that sleeping tray. Wake up, look, and go. Wow, I've got all these things. Let's do stuff with them. Excellent. So, what we'd like to hear now, after hearing us waffle on about this for a long, long time, um, we'd like to hear what you think about yeah. Games Workshop. What are your opinions? Are there any really active Games Workshop players or hobbyists out there who have heard something that we've said and gone, "But you could do this, or you could do that," because mm. we have drifted away from it. You know, we're, done... we're not as in the loop as we once were. No, yeah. no. And as I said, it's coming from, from me, at least, a position of of wanting to be interested. Yes. Wanting it to surprise me. Wanting it to do something cool. 
but it's just not doing it. So if you've got a different opinion, if you agree totally, it's always nice to be backed up. That's always lovely. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Critical Twits. You can find us on Twitter, uh, at Critical underscore Twits. You can find us on YouTube and comment there. So please, um, we'd love to hear what um, what you think. Because if you can come up with something interesting or a different angle, we may, um, we may be able to revisit this topic mm. with our minds changed or at least tweaked. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. So, thanks very much. Uh, I've been Brian Ennis. I've been Aaron Ravinsky. And I've been Joe Lewin. Uh, we have been the Critical Twits, and we will continue to be for many years to come. Huzzah! Huzzah! Uh, yay. I don't think Aaron's as enthused as he used to be. <laughs> we will continue to be the Critical Twits. Yes! <laughs> Aaron, we'll find a new enthusiast. Aaron will be that girl. guy we knew. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Bye! Bye! Bye!